You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network, sponsored by Audix. I wish I could break free back to where I'm supposed to be. Welcome back to the Second to Noise podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate all the support and listenership you guys have been giving us recently. And uh, yeah, our, our Facebook group has been growing. Uh, we have a Second to Noise podcast Facebook group. Uh, a lot of our guests that come on to this uh, podcast join in there. Uh, you can uh, have conversations with them. We set up a mentorship program so that you can actually just engage with them even more. Um, and so with that group, we also like to live stream from time to time in the in that group, uh, as well as on our YouTube uh, personal web YouTube channel. Uh, and so today's episode happens to be one of those. Uh, this past Wednesday, we we after recording an episode, we we jumped in the group, live streamed for about an hour and a half, and uh, you know just, just did a normal thing. We, we still try to interact with you guys as well while while we're streaming. So we'd love to take your questions. So make sure you join that group, and you'll be able to you know hang hang out with us and, and ask questions and, and engage. And who knows, maybe we can just have you pop in for for some of those uh, for some of those interviews. So. Um, yeah, so make sure you check it out. I hope you guys enjoy this. And, uh, you know, if you, if you are enjoying this, uh, you know, make sure you tell a friend and, uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next one. What Chris. is up? Hey everybody. Chris, 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 dude, you are the tech <laughs> guru on this thing, dude. We have not had one technical difficulty since we started this broadcast. That's right. We've made it 39 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> And Kyle's not watching himself for a change, so this is good. So, I, I actually I put a shirt on too. <laughs> he did. He put a shirt on just for the stream. So he actually recorded tonight's episode uh, topless. So topless. I lost. Is. I lost my AC unit, man. We we had talked about. I was listening to our podcast. Of course, you know, at least thirty streams are me personally. Um, we were talking about warranties. I'm living the home warranty thing right now. Like three years, stuff dies. I, I lost my AC blower and um, a microwave and a washer today. So kudos to me for figuring out warranty stuff. Um, so let's see. For for folks who don't know what's going on right now, um, the old guy in the green, is his name's Kyle. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, we're here with... Uh, uh, Single Noise Podcast staple, Hannah Goodine, and and our new guest of honor, Kyle. Do it again. Introduce your bro, man. My friend Pavan from SoCal area joining us on the podcast uh, web stream, whatever it is tonight. Um, we just Front got house done... engineer to the stars. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> hey, everybody. 15 years and counting, dude. I'm just making up the 15-year thing, but I think it's pretty close. I, I Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's like 15 to 17. Pro- yeah, probably 15, 17 years. We're a little grayer, a little balder, a little older, but right. we're the same dudes, right? Yeah, I, I feel like my hair now is uh is is like the the you know those pillows that like have a picture on one side and they have like a like like just black on the other side. Yeah, like so I think I think my hair's like that now. I, I like if I wear it down, it's like no one can. I, I look twenty years younger, and if I wear it up, everybody thinks I'm an old man. It's great. My my hair is like my daughter's shirts. It's like the sequins that you do the opposite direction. It's a totally different yeah. picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys ever see Kyle Trinside in the wild rub his hair and then rub it back the other way and, you'll, and you can see it change. <laughs> yes. Yes. One thing that we didn't touch on the podcast with you, Pavan, I know we've been home for a while and all of us, even 
my friend Chris Leonard over here to this direction um, has become a fairly good cook. You've been posting a lot of pictures of uh, food, dude. I'm yeah. digging it. I, I've been I've been trying a little bit, you know, like uh, I, I I actually got pretty stoked at the beginning of quarantine. I was like, ah, this is my moment. <laughs> like <laughs> shift to be like, you know, like now like the, the four star chef in me comes out. Right. And yes. uh, yeah. And uh, after about three weeks, I got bored with my own cooking, but it was fun while it lasted. It was a, uh, it was, it, I don't know. It was, uh, I, I actually really enjoy my sous vide machine. I don't know if anyone else has a sous vide. Uh, what is that? What is uh, that? It's, it's an immersion circulator. Have you ever heard of this? Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys need to watch more iron chef dog. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it like, like any protein, man, it's, uh, it's perfect for, but, um, yes. Uh, even for, uh, vegetables, vegetarians and stuff uh i hear it's great at uh i haven't tried it yet but uh uh carrots and uh and root vegetables like that yeah but anyways yeah i have been super stoked on the on the cooking I'm, I'm about to get back into it i think i've been watching more uh engineers and riggers and sound people and stagehands doing cooking stuff than <laughs> trainings this this these three months yeah dude there, there's totally a, well at least the last two months i mean the first month i was like yeah i'm gonna train i'm gonna train i'm gonna train i'm just gonna cook and drink now yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah dude have you have you guys seen the the uh the instagram um i, it, I think it was uh by a bunch of uh aussies actually it's uh roadies who cook no do you want that one Get, get oh. into it, man. Like th there's some like there's I, I mean, it puts like I don't know. I, I know you saw me like post some stuff about like maybe sauteing some vegetables and shit. Yep. But these guys are like like I don't know. They're they're like Michelin star chefs like oh. that, uh, like have been hiding out as roadies or something. But yeah. So two two things then on the food front uncomfortable close-ups of food willis Snow, mm -hmm. a previous guest and sound girls host for the, her podcast now sent me a link to uncomfortable close-ups of food on facebook it's amazing and then <laughs> i'll have to give a shout out to alex who mixes uh kill switch engage and uh steel panther that dude is on it on his meat game like he's dry aging and all this crazy stuff nice but i can't get enough of that that's like my food network now is like watching all my friends cook and i'm like oh that's it i'm doing a brisket this weekend babe. <laughs> good doing... point yeah good point man that's awesome so 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 kyle i got a question for you i was, I was thinking about this earlier today uh coming up in the club scene uh and making your way into some more of the national acts and stuff like that what are um what, what do you think um what were some maybe mistake common mistakes you were seeing from maybe some of the local engineers and or that what separated you to get you up into say some more of the national scene yeah, and this was a cool conversation that Michael and I had a couple times about coming up through that scene, and it's not being kind to the house engineer or the house tech, and that was mistake number one. Like, if you come in and just flatten out the PA and act like you own the place and start kicking stuff around and moving things on your own without talking to the house engineer that knows that room uh first mistake hands down like yeah. always and and that that goes along with the whole demeanor of who you are as a visiting engineer like if you go in and you start moving stuff around and you start banging things and coming in grumpy and and being that guy that goes along with your demeanor immediately you know those guys will go back to their little crew room and go 
oh man, this guy's a turd. Like <laughs> immediately. And yeah, you're and, be, and you're gonna and they're be telling back. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. They're they're telling that to their stage manager and their their other guys, and that is gonna trickle down to the rest of your crew. Yep. It, and it's not that engineer sucks, it's that band sucks. Mm-hmm and that's bad for the artist so you have to think who you're working for and how they would come in and want you to present yourself and um that's one of the reasons with pavin uh has always been awesome working with him is he's always willing to jump in he's always willing to work with the house person he's always willing and i i did the same thing so michael is always right hey probably go in be cool, introduce yourself to everybody, shake hands, tell them what your gig is and, and start laying expectations as the touring guy. Hey, what's up with this room? What's up with the PA? Do you mind if I listen, you know, ask for things instead of just coming in and start taking things like, um, you know, most of these places are held together with duct tape and spit, you know, uh, they just got done doing a guar show last night and the floor still wet. You know, that, that kind of thing. You, you, you got to believe the people that are working at the venue that you're walking, working into. Yeah. Well, I, sure. I never liked when people come in to that, to your venue and they talk trash about the house rig. Like I it's, I know I work on it every day. I know if it's good or not. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't pay for it. Um, trust me, I'm aware. So that's one of the things is that that's just not productive, but uh, you know, something that Jim Yak said on, on the Jim and Carter episode, speak of the devil. Hey, um, Carter Hasselbrook. What's up, brother? How are we doing? Hey. <laughs> good. Just talking about you. Uh, Carter was uh, uh, on the show recently with Jim Yakabuski, uh, system engineer for the Peter Frampton tour this summer, uh, this last summer, and uh, Carter Celtic woman before that and all that. And uh, one of the things we, we were just talking about is uh, what Jim said, which is when he's coming into somebody's house, he said, at least take a listen to the PA and see what they've done with it before you ask them to pull their filters out. You know, just that two minutes, he said that someone probably worked pretty hard on that. And, you know, that really sets the tone. Just just give it a listen. Um and on the receiving end of that, you know, it's it's the house I, I work at. It's I know the, everything about the rig. I know everything about the ESP. I know exactly what's going on with the processing because it's it, I the one who, who put it all together. So, you know, I'll tell you exactly what's what I've done to it. I'll tell you exactly how it behaves. I know I know this room because I mix in this room 200 nights a year. Do you want me to take the filters out? Do you want me to take the delay off? You know, I have three presets when you walk in. You can have the plug in and go. Or I can strip it back down to nothing. I, you know, so that's just that dog you have to have but it always works much better if everyone's just coming in and and trying to be productive about it instead of coming in and trying to steamroll me because i'm the local guy and i don't know what i'm doing you know that's not that's just not a good way to start the day off nice headset carter that thing's killer man yeah yeah it's just my gaming headset yeah, nice. <laughs> we, so, we, so- we disrupted call of duty for this <laughs> Carter, thanks for being here, man. <laughs> um, Carter, Carter, when you go into uh, a, a large venue, like uh, you know, when I when I came out to you guys, you're at St. Joe's Amphitheater in Syracuse. Um, so you've got to go in, and you're you might be the first face that the local audio crew sees that day. 
as system engineer. You've got yeah. you you got to have that dialogue of, you know, you got to make it work with their with their uh, with their power and with their delay system and their DSP and and their house people. And I mean, I, I imagine it's sort of the same interaction that I have, right? You 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 uh, you want to get off on the right foot with those people, and and yeah. they know their rig and you don't. So you know, can you? Oh, there's there's Kemper. Hi, Kemper. Yeah. <laughs> the future <laughs> has arrived. Can you can you speak to that uh, that interaction a little bit, Carter? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I try to be one of one of the first people in, period, because uh, a lot of the work I do happens before load in. Um, but yeah, the uh, first thing I try and do is uh, interface with that individual and, you know, do exactly what you're saying, find power, um, find what they have, what they need from me, where I need to tie it in, if it's stage or front of house, uh, if there's any other feed sometimes there's a you know a house video crew that's going to need a different kind of feed from us somehow and uh have to figure out how to you know usually we have something set up um to be able to accommodate those things but uh yeah um it that's kind of it you know just figure out what they've got and be cool about it and know that i'm not gonna I'm not flying another delay system or you know whatever so you know we make it work and smile the whole way through it and I was laughing because when uh, when I was out there hanging with you guys, uh, the the house person who was responsible for for their lawn system, he was like, "Yeah, dude, I just put 50 milliseconds uh, delay in our DSP." So he was so proud of that fifty milliseconds, and you're like, "Yeah, man, that's cool. Now I don't have to add as many." <laughs> that was that was that was his whole deal, you know. Like he was so stoked about that, and you're like, "Yeah, that's great. Good thinking." <laughs> But like that's that's cool, and it, you know what I mean. I, I think that that was just a, a really neat moment because uh, you know that he, that was his big thing for the day was he was gonna he was gonna show up and tell you, I saved you some time putting your delay in because I already got fifty milliseconds on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same thing, but on the lower end of the spectrum, this guy was super stoked that he got um, the new Samson drum mic kit. And oh I yeah, like, and and I, I I had to act stoked. I was like, uh, yeah, bro, <laughs> killer kit, homie. <laughs> He's like, you're gonna use it, right? And I'm like, yeah, no, that's cool. You could use it for all the openers, man. I got my own. I don't want to mess them up. My guy's a little crazy. I just saying whatever. I like, awesome stuff, bro. That's like the lower end of it. The lower end of. 50 milliseconds i got i got you know what though i got that the cad drum kit that like is everybody's first drum mic kit the thing is good dude for for 90 bucks or whatever it costs like i still got it in my basement man that thing comes out at festivals and stuff gets the job done and i don't that, care if it gets rained on you know if the guy yeah. cracks a stick on it like i'm good you wreck it that's, that's, great. That's, that's a good topic right now we should go through everybody and mention the crappy mic that we still own that we'll still revert to when it, it's there it's it just it just happens yeah dude i got a box of them right here behind me but yeah well what's your go-to drum mics uh, we're not talking crappy, right? So at, at this point, Either. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I've actually been trying to round out my, my drum mic, uh, package. So like big proponent of the, uh, Telefunken SH series or whatever. So I, I'm, I've got right now three eighty ones SH, uh, first, uh, I don't know, like a lot of the drum kits that I've been coming up on have three snares. So I'm imagining those are going to be my three snare bottoms. I'm going to, I'm about to get, uh, 
three eighties, uh, uh, SM eight, or sorry, uh, the, the Telefunken M eighties, uh, for a snare top. And then I'm, I'm in an ideal world. I would get some DPA 4099s for Tom's. Yeah. Yeah, I just got I just got the um, dude. I'm a big fan of Dave Royer. Like I, I have a couple of Royers and stuff. I don't bring them out that much, but like I, I just got the um, the Mojave Audio, the 201s, because like Pooch and Raybull were talking about them. I'm like, I they they were on sale. They were on sale, dog. They were on sale at Sweetwater. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like um, you know, because yeah, yeah. someone at Sweetwater is watching that video and they're like, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. Put these things on sale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, I was I kept my eye on like a pair that were on sale for, uh, up. In uh, North Hollywood and Burbank, and uh, and and then that sale happened, and I was like, for fifty bucks more, I could get my own, like brand new. That's not very environmentally environmentally friendly, but I'm still gonna do it. And yeah, I, <laughs> I feel better now that Carter and Hannah are here because now we're half system tech, so now we can overthrow because usually <laughs> these guys can be quiet. But uh, <laughs> but I, I'll do the. I have I have a couple of really nice ISMCon measurement mics that are you know like three hundred seventy dollars each, yep, and I got one of those. For my, yeah, for my, you know, when someone's looking. Because here's the thing about being a system when tech. Someone's looking. <laughs> when you pull out your measurement mic, they have made a judgment about your ability as a system tech based on what mic you pull out. That's, uh, that's a thing, right? So, <laughs> um, but I also have a bunch of crappy measurement mics. Um, because I sort of like the educator in me, I think it's important for people to see that you don't need to go out and buy $5,000 worth of stuff to go out and start doing this, right? My first measurement mic was the usb mic that came with rock band 2 i plugged that shit into my laptop and i nice. booted up Rumi key wizard and i started measuring subs man and guess what it works so i don't like the gatekeeping aspect of like you need you know eight matched mics that are two thousand dollars each no you don't um so i go and i do a lot of work with those sixty dollars seventy dollars the ecm 8000s and the tm1s and those those mics that cost a hundred dollars um and also because they're fine, they're 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 flat within a DB up to 16k, and like you know that I'm I'm good with that. So so that's the stuff there. If it's going to be in direct sunlight for five hours, or if I think someone's going to run it over with a with a forklift, then you know I, I'm not going to cry about it. So th those are my there's my my crappy mic contribution. Carter's got his awesome headset mic. Uh, I guess he I've heard yeah, rumors that he tunes PA's with right that there. thing. <laughs> Turtle Beach, bro. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I've got no, a Spark 420. Oh, you got you got the RTA 420. Yeah, yeah, I got the that 420, and then I have the the um the ISEMCon one too. And like, I don't, I don't know, like uh, yeah, I, I remember in in because I took the 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 smart class uh in Vegas once, and uh, yeah, man, I remember like they were they were like, yo, for you know, yeah, you can pay more and get a little more accuracy, but this is how much accuracy. And they, you know, Jamie showed us in the in the course, and like like ooh, I will save that six hundred dollars. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Ryan, Ryan John's here. Yeah, Ryan John. Ah, here. yeah, dude. He says Pava like that. That's what he said. <laughs> With a bunch of A's. So. Wait, I, I, I can't. Uh, sh should I be like uh, monitoring us on Facebook so I can see the comments? If, if you can, if you want. Where's Ryan? Ryan, I'm going to text you the link, man. Or text Ryan the link. What happened to Chris? He released himself. He's gone. He's gone. How does Ryan? He just did, he did, did. Did Chris just quit the show? I think he he went <laughs> he went backstage. I'm, 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 I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> it's like guys, we need a new co-host quick. <laughs> and he better be good at tech because I don't know how to do any of the stuff that he does. Yeah, I was thinking that today. I'm like, if something ever happened to Chris, Kyle and I would be stuck, man. We we don't know how to do these 
these cool graphics, all that stuff. It's just, uh, I'm glad you're here, Chris. Barely, no, you I'm, have I'm, to remind me the same time every podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Pretty, I'm pretty bad at life right now. Oh, uh, I'm I'm I'm, bar- I'm I'm bar- I'm barely hanging on on uh, as a as a as a loose video engineer. So I, at at the at the corporate production company that I work for, our director of video at the top of COVID left not because of COVID reasons, uh, and um, and so I've had to assume a lot of the video roles and stuff. So I've learned way more about video in the last three four months than I've ever wanted to. So we gave him the we blackballed him in our in our text thread. We didn't let him talk to anybody. Um, <laughs> So I actually Carter mentioned something to me yesterday that I think is a good topic to hit on too. owning your own console, investing in your own uh, mixer for, for freelance people, um, pros and cons. I know Kyle, you own, you own a console. Um, I own a, a handful of consoles. And so on the, on the one hand, you've got, you know, a significant investment up front and, you know, I'm not a rental company, so it's not, it's not earning me money in that sense. Um, for me, the benefit was twofold. One that I work in a lot of venues where I don't know what I'm walking into. And some of them there's, there's, you know, the stuff's older than me or it's not working. Um, So it takes a lot of that anxiety off the table. And I know that I will at minimum have the tools I need to do my job. Um, But also when you own a console that you're comfortable on, you work quicker. I, I I'm faster, I'm more accurate. And so I think that sort of pays off in the sense that I'm a freelancer and I trade on my name and I'm only as good as my last gig. And so I, I feel like, getting better results faster, more consistently um, is worth making that investment. And I, I don't think it's, it's, it's worth that investment for everyone. But to me, those were the factors why I decided to, to take the plunge. So I think that's kind of a good conversation to, to have, right? If people I, are I have a about question, that. man. So yeah. what, what is the result of your gear taking a shit opposed to a rental company's gear taking a shit because that seems to be the engineer's go-to oh it was so and so stuff like sorry Mm -hmm. about that it took a dump during the show but if the artist or the management company knows that they're paying for you to bring your stuff out you know how is the reaction different if your console takes a dump opposed to claire rat sounding well, that's a great question. I mean, that's the thing. I, I, if my pro one dies, I don't have four more in, in the warehouse. Right. So unlike a rental company where they, they stock a bunch of these things, I only have one. I take very good care of it. Uh, I do, you know, my maintenance and I, and I, I make sure that it doesn't get beat up, but you know, things break. Um, one of the things that, that Pooch says on the video with Raybold is if he's renting his console to the tour, he's got an arrangement with the production company who's handling the tour that they will treat that console as their own. If it fails, they'll, they'll supply the backup and stuff. And that's sort of a win-win. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kyle, I think that's a really important point. This idea of, okay, now you're responsible for maintaining this thing. Um, and, and, you know, the expenses that, that go along with that. And that, that's absolutely true. And that may, that may bridge over into something that someone doesn't want to deal with, uh, for that. So, so I think, you know, again, um, it, it goes out just enough times a year for me that it's worth it because I can show, I, and I, to me being able to take the lid off in my house and build a show file when I'm sitting at the console for a gig, I know I have coming up and save that hour when I get there on the day, when I can just roll my console in and turn it on and I'm ready to go. That is a huge thing for me. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits for me that are not directly financial. So if I were looking at the cost benefit analysis of, is this console making me more money? No, not directly, not at all. Um, you know, can I charge more to the client? Cause I brought a pro one instead of an X32. No, I can't, they don't care. They just want good results. Right. But in the sense that it allows me to do my job 
better and and quicker with more precision, I think those are the things that make the phone ring. Um, that's sort of my stance on it. Anyone else? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, dude. Like, I, 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 I don't own a console, but I've been like super. He- I've been interested in 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 looking into to getting one. Uh, I think I was even te- texting Ryan John about this, like when I was like, you know, super hard on for it. But um, but it it, uh, it did concern me. Is, is like, you know, okay, this is on you now, and mm-hmm. and actually seeing seeing that um, that that webinar with with Pooch and Raybol, like I was like, oh, like I just have to like frame this properly with the the people that I'm working with. Like, you know, I usually rent through Claire, and like. Uh, and 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 I'm I'm still not like super keen on 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 owning a, a console per se, but like maybe um, I don't know. Uh, like I, I I am I am going to like you know I, I used to travel with a bunch of outboard gear, uh, and uh, uh, I'm 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 probably going to unretire all that outboard gear and 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 build a rack just to. Ooh. Yeah, I mean you know like I I used to just like you know. Like okay, I I I have some C twos that I like to to use. I'll just like rent those from from Claire or whatever. But like you know, I don't know <laughs> what what's happening to us right now is like so gnarly that like I think that when we get back, I, I I would like to have an additional revenue stream. And if if I can like you know put you know the stuff just it's actually sitting right in front of me. And if it, it's just sitting here, like I mean I I should probably put it to work and like mm-hmm. uh, try and get it to to you know give me some some revenue or whatever you know. But yeah, well, oh, that's I, important. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna. Say, I was just gonna say. Um. Uh. Like I, I talked to 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 you know the people that I usually rent from, and and I just cleared it with them too. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, uh, you know, making an outboard gear rack. What do you guys think? Like, I mean, I mean, I won't do it if this is like biting into too much of your cookie because like I don't want I don't want to ruin that you know um but uh but there's some specific things that I don't think it's worth it like you know like I have a metric halo I can't like I can't imagine someone from a PA company you know they probably would but like I I I don't I don't see how they would like get benefit out of like buying just one for my tour and like you know like when when I have one already and I I just want to use it you know what what about plug-in side though? I mean, I know early on before waves, you know, especially back in the iLock days, the Avid and stuff like that. I mean, people, you know, uh, not every rental company in your local one-off cities would have the full gamut of plugins and stuff. So people would invest in their own iLocks and stuff. And nowadays, you know, the big thing obviously would be like wave servers and kind of owning your own thing there. But there's still like, man, like I had a freelancer mention to me, he was like, um, you know, I'm in the corporate market, right? And so he's uh, he's like, man, you know, I, I want to do, I want to build my own wave server. It'd be nice to have all these things. He's like, but then at the same time, there was a twofold conversation. Him and I going, okay, well, who's responsible if his wave server goes down when he's plugged into my gear that I've hired him on as a freelancer on my show, right? Uh, and so like, there's some a little bit of liability there. Like, am I in trouble because I allowed mm-hmm. my freelancer to do that? Or, you know, does he, can he take responsibility? I mean, you know, if I, if we lose this quote unquote fortune 500 pharmaceutical client because his wave server went down, whose problem is that's my problem, not his problem, you know? So that, that's a, it's a, a, that, that, um, it just goes back to that owning gear, not owning gear. When's the right time to use your tools and stuff. So, well, that's, I think the difference in, in, in level here is an important distinction too. uh, Keith says in our comments on Facebook, he says, actually, my X32 rack paid for itself in 30 days. Just doing local stuff also got me a studio session. So owning my own console, even though it's an X32, is definitely worth the small investment. So 
Yeah, and, and I think that's part of the consideration here because, I mean, Pavan, what you're talking about is if it's either my, you know, SD9 or someone else's SD9, right? Um, right. Whereas on, on a lot of levels, particularly for freelancers on, on local weekend warriors, regional people, um, it's either my X32 or whatever broken thing the venue happens to have, right? So I think that's a very different consideration where if it's between having a tool and not having a tool versus who's supplying the tool, um, you know, in terms of what, uh, you know, so I, I, I recently picked up an SQ5, which is a great little console and I'm, I'm super happy with it. Um, for a couple of gigs a year, when I get called in to do some talking head thing and the company that, that brings the stuff thinks that, well, it's only one microphone, it's a podium. Um, and I get that little Alesis analog thing that's, you know, it's got two preamps and, and I'm like, yeah, but I have a condenser mic and, you know, like I need a little more firepower than that. Um, because because I think it's, you know, to to someone who's not a, an audio engineer, they're like, you only have one mic, you don't need a big console. But, you know, in order to make that sound good, I need more than than high and low shelf on on a <laughs> on, on an input. So um, I bought that. So I would have something that's really small, but has that full tool set when I need to do something like that. Like the mayor's going to speak. I want I have an elected official up there. I want to make sure that people can hear what she's saying and it's not, you know, there's not feedback the whole time. That's important stuff. So um, that was my angle for, you know, how do I justify to myself? Well, you already own a console. How do you buy another console? Um, and it was stuff like that. And, you know, there are gigs where as small as something like a Pro 1 or an X32 is, they're still going to say, no, you can't wheel that thing in here. Right. Um, and I have two square feet of table space. And so this was one of those things where it's like, okay, in this situation, I have one input. But I still have a tool set and I can I have everything I need to make this show sound good because I can't go around and tap everyone else on the shoulder and say, hey, the reason it doesn't sound good is because they didn't give me the right stuff. Um, it's my <laughs> fault. Right. Like Chris was talking about it, whether or not it's my fault, it's my fault. So I have to answer for it. So that was one of those things that, um, again, you know, does it does it directly make me more money? Am I renting it? Not usually, but um it sort of preserves my professional reputation and allows me to, to get good results. And I think those things that make the phone ring again um, are, are worth looking at. So yeah. there's my two cents. Carter, as, as a system tech, how, do, how does that world work in terms of um, your smart license, your, your, your microphone, your interface, uh, how much of that is your gear versus, and maybe not just you, I don't know if you know what other system techs it's like in like the touring market. How does that work? Um, well, I, I, I have a, I still have a smart five license because I haven't yes! needed to update it. <laughs> uh, awesome. Most of the companies uh, that I you know tour with provide the the smart rig um, all the way to the mics. Um, and as far as the mics go, because because of that, I still only own the DBX, you know, little hundred dollar ones, which work fine for you know anything that's small enough where it's not being provided. Uh, but I did, uh, I guess, last year invest in uh my own wireless um because that was something that was was kind of hard to get someone to provide um and it really helped with time you know not having to run cable into a lawn or you know over to side thing or you know, especially I, I bought it when i was doing a, a theater tour and so just getting a cable from a third balcony down to front of house is you know it takes half an hour just to get it done and then running back and forth and taking it to another balcony, uh, when, you know, this it's time. So that's really the, the major piece that I own. Um, and everything else, you know, is provided by a company. And I know other guys that have, uh, much larger personal rigs that they've 
actually been able to build and rent back to the tours for their, um, I think, I think one of my, my buddies even has some front end processing that he brings with him that he wants to have on everything that he does. Um, and I know he did, I know he has been able to rent it and sometimes it's just, he has it cause that's what he wants and it's not going to be provided all the time. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of, you know, like Michael was saying about the console is having the tools that you need that are going to make you comfortable and quick, uh, to get your job done, you know? Worth well, it. I think that's that's a great point, Card. I mean, I, I own uh, I started off with a, a basic Ashley Protea four by eight DSP, nice. and uh, yeah. that's Hannah's got that as my hand me down now, and I'm now I, I graduated to a Symmetrix Prism. Um, but again, y- you know, it's about that four by eight Ashley has everything you need to walk into a club and wrangle a shitty PA in a submission. You know yeah, what I mean? Um, and and it's one of the, the lot of those gigs are like if you don't have that, you're hurting. You know, um, when you need that stuff, you really need it. And and it's a great unit because you can do everything from the front panel. So you don't have to uh, start, you know, linking up software and, and all that stuff. And and I think it goes back to the I mean, what? There's never enough time to, to tune the system. Right. We're always kind of pressured to get through that part of the day. So I think it comes right back to I have what I need to get in there and do this job quickly. And the sooner I can go to the, to the mix engineer and say, here you go. It's all yours. Start her up. Um, you know, that is the kind of stuff that that people call you back yeah i I find it very interesting i think i i I feel like i see it more in the country world where artists own their own gear you know in fact we have you know wayne paulie's episode coming out you know next week you know and and uh (laughs) and you know and they they own their own uh paragon 2 console right in outboard gear um and you know that's i find there's a handful of other artists who like who have chosen to you know, actually invest in their own gear. And, and I can imagine there's an investment that they would save um, on not hiring out, you know, a PA company or whatever, but then there's the whole maintenance aspect to it too, you know, and you don't maybe necessarily get the newest and latest and greatest toys. And maybe that's okay. It's just, it's interesting the trade-offs that people choose, you know, between those two different worlds. So. Yeah. I, I think Wayne might actually own that Paragon himself. Cause I, I oh, toured with him okay. in 2016 and I think he owned a Paragon. I think he's he got the Paragon too since then. It'll probably I don't know if he'll talk about it in the episode or not. But yeah, we uh we spent a lot of time with that desk, the the, yeah. uh, the first one that he had. So I sent him a picture from underneath it not too long ago, just <laughs> letting him know I missed it. <laughs> I believe he sold it to um, the Lee Bryce tour last time I talked to him. Oh, did he? Okay. I don't know for sure, um, but I know that he also carries a um, a venue as well um for backup when stuff ah okay right but i was yeah. i was gonna ask yeah for sure yeah no, i'm pretty sure at least in the episode we talked i'm pretty sure lee rice owns maybe and we didn't talk about whether he had sold it to him or not um we did talk about specifically with the paragon too you know, there's like there's some there's some tricks to like restarting channels if like that if the if the channel <laughs> goes down you you crank on the head amp and it, it re-excites the channel <laughs> like that. so it's you know fun fun analog stuff yeah i heard a story about ribbon connectors like you have to push them back in every time it comes off the truck because they'll rattle out or i don't know <laughs> just stuff like that yeah so uh speaking of analog consoles i heard i heard a not really a joke a story but it's kind of funny uh of a, of a monitor guy who had an issue on a show where an artist was like complaining about bass being in the monitors and you know like turn it down turn it like no like i'm telling you there's no bass in the monitor and finally i don't recommend this uh and not 
many people can do this anymore. Uh, but the monitor engineer got pissed off enough. He's like, you know what? Screw it. And you know, back when you could actually unscrew a channel strip, he's like, screw it. He unscrewed the channel strip, <laughs> took the channel <laughs> channel strip out of the console threw it out onto the stage it was like there was no effing base in your channel here's the channel and throws it out onto the stage <laughs> holy crap <laughs> yeah that, that is the ultimate way to go out I'll, I'll, I'll remember that if i ever need to exit on a grand fashion i i did sure it's analog i did i actually did that last year at a festival <laughs> it was like the crappiest festival I've ever worked on but it was like dangerous to the point that it's just like you know you're like i hope i don't get killed by dangerous rigging in the next three days it was that bad of, of a show wow. right um it, as i'll show you guys some pictures later it's brutal but um the pa the dude built his own pa right just a bunch of like jbl like five-way things and it were like 110 degrees wide but then he had displayed at 30 degrees so up front it was just like comb filter central um the thing was so wide that if you were downstage from like this seven you know, the feet down at the edge of the stage, you were just getting all sorts of high frequency crap. And then it was coming back off the scrim. So it was just, it was crazy down there. Oh, so everyone thought oh, I had my side fills because I was mixing monitors. God help me. Uh, I had my, I had these big side fills up there that I turned off immediately because the PA was so ridiculous on the deck. And this one guitar player was like, dude, I thought I told you to take me out of that side fill. I'm like, bro, the side fill's literally muted. Like the amp's not even on it. He kept yelling at me for it. So I finally went over and I just pulled the NL4 out of the top of the of the side fill and I dropped it on the deck and just walked away. And yeah. <laughs> he didn't talk to me again after this. I, the same the same guy, and I wish I don't remember who told me that story or the artist. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and another story I heard, and I don't know if it's the same uh, engineer or not, but uh, it had to do with a bass again. I don't know both of these with bass. Um, and uh, bass players complaining, complaining, complaining. He gets so pissed off that he takes his bass guitar and jams it into the wedge, right? Um, <laughs> and and his, his bass guitar is sticking out of the wedge. And this must have been doing rehearsal or sound check, and and so the monitor engineer comes over here, and he's like, he's like, I I see what the problem is here, and and he's like, what? You know, he's like, there's too much bass in your wedge. <laughs> you get it, you get it. Ah, I made it funny. Ah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I wish I knew who the monitor engineers were uh, and the artists, but it, it doesn't really matter. But it's it's still uh, there. There's, there's stories that are just you know stuck with well, me. I kind of want to get back to this smart version five thing. Like this is I actually, <laughs> you know, that software is like almost as old as me. I think. And I actually last time I was down at the shop, I was like, I've never used version five uh, oh, no. or version six. And Jamie's like here, and he just gives me the demo, and it's so old I couldn't get it to run on my on my computer. It's and I'm funny. like, I am. Our our, our our background is almost like the black marble that's within, yeah, that's yeah, within yeah. smart five it's and jamie so oh, badly yeah, yeah. wants that to come back like that's his he really really wants to be able to reskin and and the, the, johnny's like no we're not doing that um, but I, I gotta say it was pretty smart or but it was pretty sharp like uh, i i i've i've only seen it at one venue in japan i believe it's in osaka it might be zep but like yeah they're still running smart five over there that's hilarious. And I saw a YouTube tutorial the other day. Some dude was talking about measuring stuff in Smart Five. I watched the whole thing. I was like, this is pretty wild. <laughs> the first, um, first, first smart class I had was with Jamie uh, in Smart Five. That was the first smart class I took. That's like, wild. A long time ago. So, yeah. So I haven't used it. So I, I'm I'm super into that whole thing. That's pretty cool. Because I was when I couldn't get to run, I'm like, I am not calling our tech support people and making them walk me through that like what an absolute waste of their time <laughs> to do that so. so carter do you you use five on a regular basis uh no not well it's it's a backup 
uh, rig. Um, it's I actually have it running on a netbook that still runs XP. Uh, and when I bought that, that's its only purpose. Yeah. So it's never been online. Um, it that's it. It runs smart and that's it, but it's tiny. So I can take my uh, sound devices pre that microphone and throw it in the backpack and fly wherever with it. And it's nice and neat. But if I bring my larger rig, it's a rack and a thing. And I don't want to fly with it if I don't have to. So yeah, it still works if I've got something small to do or, you know, doing a little, you know, one day retune at a church or something like that. It's, it's all the tools I need. When that thing dies, send it to us because we we were thinking of putting you know in beauty and the beast when they got the rose under the glass globe we want to uh-huh. do like the, the smart <laughs> versions past uh like make a little museum in the office and we'll we'll put your netbook under display man nice <laughs> all right you can sign it <laughs> <laughs> and you can put it right under jim yakabusi's picture which is hanging in the rash that's true we do we proper, have a jim yeah. yak yeah nice. we uh I, I took a picture of uh your your shoulder might be in it carter i took a picture of jim doing his thing yes and uh, it's in our training room. It's right behind Jamie's head when he's talking on the webinars. So I have a very, very famous shoulder. It gets you do. You're, you're actually pictures. your right ear was in uh, was in last night at National this month. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, Pavit, I'm, I'm curious. So, so you mentioned. So, for anybody who's watching, we we actually just recorded an episode of Pavit, which will be out, you know, in about two weeks or so. Um, what you said you've listened to a bunch. I'm curious. What's um What's been maybe some of your favorite episodes or something you've learned, a nugget you've learned from what you've been listening to? Uh, gosh. Man, you put him on the spot. Now everyone's uh, going to find out that right. he doesn't actually listen to the no, show. I, 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 I've listened to quite a few of them. I, I haven't listened to like all of them, but I, I'm, I'm going to say percentage-wise, it's probably like a good 85% of them. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed the Ryan John one because like he, he clued us in on to the, that Telefunken site, which has a bunch of, uh, you know, like, yeah, I, I know that you, and, and yo, uh, where, where's Ryan? Where, where is he? I thought he was coming. I, I texted I, him. I, he said I, he's, he said I he's busy. Yeah. I texted him. He's like, I'm busy. Yeah. Like, come on, man. You're not busy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Designing uh, but, um, consoles or something. I don't know what yeah, you're doing. Yeah. Over. Right. He's designing some <laughs> new feature for the avid, like crazy. But like, um, but yeah, dude, like, I, I really do want to get in on, on, on that, that, that thing that you, that you guys were doing, like where, where you guys were making. Yeah. yeah, dude, like that sounds sick. I just need a console and like, and apparently uh, like five computers so that we can record it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah like uh, i i think that's fantastic and that's rad that was a cool one uh i really like the rabel one because like man he he's like i don't know he, he's like he's got so many great ideas about things and like uh and, and it's not in a you know um he's just he just seems like such a cool guy like i don't know like um that one was great um the the one i for, keep on forgetting your name the the one with uh, the carter Mac- carter carter and uh and jim oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay no the the, the jim yakabuski one was great actually actually like that the, like and and Carter, yeah and and i think i and carter yeah there were two dudes on that yeah and hey you're probably one of them um yeah yeah dude like uh that that one was was great because like I really do enjoy the the idea like I was saying about um about transfer you know that the you know changing or taking your transfer function from what you're you know d- you know doing a flatter uh, 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 frequencies response on your PAs because like man that that is that has been like one of the things that I you know 
every time I listen to one of those, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I kind of am like embarrassed about my two tracks. Like, no lie. I'm like, you know, ooh, um, yeah, I'm going to give this to you, but I'm gonna also going to like give you a, like, I'm going to spew a bunch of like excuses at, at you about why it sounds this way, you know? <laughs> and like, uh, you know, just because like, yo, it's like, yo, I'll, I'll listen to like, you know, honest. Okay. Uh, I think this uh came from like you know where we where you know people engineers like me and kyle came from we came in from like you know uh doing punk rock clubs where like you were lucky to get the spl that you got out of the system dare you take any of that away i dare you to take mm -hmm. any of that away you know mm -hmm. and like uh you know so subtractive eq from a system was like you know like man if you're taking it out of the low end you're just like you're 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 asking for a shitty mix like and not you know and not not you know, now we know that like that's that's not necessarily true. You could like you know you could add that low end back in, uh, you know, at the console level. But like, I mean, when, when you're walking into like a club that has like maybe an Allen and Heath like console and things like that, and like you're, you you don't have like all these great plugins that that you that you have now, like um, adding that low end into a system is daunting because like man you do it in a shitty way and it's just going to be shitty you know leaving it <laughs> leaving it in like where 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 you know um i don't know that uh but yeah the the yakabuski ones were great and like uh um uh, and carter sorry and carter um <laughs> and uh <laughs> Uh, what what else? Like, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. You guys kind of put me on the spot. Sorry, I, no, sorry. I, had a, I had a different question. No, no, don't you guys? That was Chris. That was all oh, Chris. Sorry. I take yeah, no yeah. responsibility for that. <laughs> sorry, Michael and Kyle put me on the spot all the time, so I, I gotta put somebody. Yeah, else yeah, on. yeah. You're, you're co-host. That's part of the job, yeah. man. Uh, yeah, you know. So, um, <laughs> Papa, do do you um? How about on your speaking of like your two track that you end up handing to people, and um, and people are so used to hearing you know um a a polished you know um master track do you ever do any uh, compression either on your two track record or on your your main mix going out to the pa to kind of kind of squash that a little bit at all especially with this pop artist where people are coming to these shows expecting to hear the album pretty much and, and feel that is that something you ever do or you still keep it pretty yeah. dynamic and open I, I definitely uh, like we'll, we'll take it through like uh, I, I like to think of it as a tasteful like uh, element of compression. I, I have I'm, I'm a big proponent of the, the Allen Smart C2 as like a, my, my finishing, you know, thing. You know, it's like uh, I don't know if you guys are probably familiar, but like uh, it's like an SSL compressor. Um, but um, but yeah, man, like I, I, I was on a punk rock tour where or, no, sorry, pop punk tour where um it, you know like the the headliner um we, we were all on the same console we were all on a 5d and the headliner was on uh you know 5d same 5d uh but he had an allen smart in line not inserted and uh he you know was wasting all the openers every single night even though i you know i i look i watched very closely you know like our meters on the output were like the same you know but for some reason it just like you know sounded like just miles above like anything that we could accomplish the hardest that we would try the openers you know um me and the other openers were, were friends and stuff and we were just like what's going on and like and i i got the nerve to to ask the system tech one day and he like shined his flashlight on this gray carpeted rack in the corner you know it wasn't even at the mix position you know it was like all, all in, in the corner and it had an allen smart c2 in it and he's like yo that right there and and like and the next night I came over and I saw how hard he was hitting it and it was like 
six, seven dB of compression with the uh, makeup gain just cranked. And he's like, yeah, you just turn that makeup knob up until the, the amplifiers tell you no, and you're good, you know? <laughs> like, so like, I don't know, like uh, it, was, it was those kinds of things that like stuck with me for a long time. And I, I think I got used to those sounds. And, you know, after that tour, yeah, I, I ran out and bought one. So like, I don't know. I think that's an interesting discussion because the master bus compressor um, idea is something that I've always been like, man, I should really be doing that. And then I'll try it and I'll like tweak something and I'll get to the point. Where I'm like, okay. and then I always go back three shows later and take it off. And I'm like, it sounds better again. Like I, I, I never end up liking it compared to not having it there. You know, I think you have to find the right one. And like, and for me, like doing it analog, I mean, there, there was no like, you know, um, doing it with a plugin, you you can like you can debate all day long. Like, d- does the Waves SSL sound like the hardware unit? Does the you know UA one like I'm sure the UA one sounds fantastic. I haven't really gotten into their stuff, but like I, I'm it's it's on my list, right? But like you know, it's it, um, you could debate all day long with with like plugin stuff and be like, ah, does it really sound like the original? But you get like a hardware unit in there, and I feel like uh, if it's a reputable hardware unit that that like you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be an Allen Smart for me. Like, I mean, it has to be something that that gives me that glue. And so far, I just haven't found anything that does like that you know it's rare for me to find compression unit or you know compressors that i can like lay into and really enjoy it you know that's why Mm -hmm. i have like distressors and like why i have the allen smarts because i really feel like i can lay into them and they get better um i I haven't found that with like a lot of like the plugins and like you know i i I wouldn't try the same things that i try on the allen smart with like the ssl like waves thing you know um yeah for me, it was it, it's the loss of transients that I just find yeah. annoying. Um, what I'm doing right now, um, and given it's an act that I've been mixing for a long time and I've had years to sort of improve the show file incrementally. So it's sort of at that point where you make little tiny changes and you hear them, you know what I mean? But um, I've got the, there, on the Pro Series, there's a three-band comp that you can put in the effects track. And I've bypassed low and high and the mid band's tuned to like it's like 150 to 1k so it's just that sort of low mid region and it's just doing like 2 db when they really get going and that's it and i i that was the first time i ever put something on master bus and i'm like okay i actually like that better just kind of glued it up down there but i didn't it didn't kill the transients on top so um but i want to actually with this with this band when you were talking about you know rabel because he is so cool um i feel bad for rabel for pooch and for yak and for ryan because i mix a local rock cover band right it's just a bunch of engineers and they go design satellites and stuff all day for the government and then they come on tuesday nights and they all get together and they all play classic rock covers and i mix them and i it's, it's a blast right but it's a local cover band um so i i send my board tapes to yak and to pooch and to right like every two weeks i'm like okay how about this and they'll be like okay go try that because i'm like this pandemic for me has been like i'm gonna step up my mixing game because i've for too okay. long i'm done oh, yeah. saying i mix like a system tech i want to like actually you know start to mix um and be proud of what i'm getting so i keep sending these guys these board tapes and they're just super super generous and ryan will send me like you know four paragraphs like super well thought out that's so sick it's great and it's so cool and and, you know yak will call me up and pooch sends me this and rabel is so busy i always feel like you know i feel so bad that i'm like listen to my you know local cover band playing you know (laughs) playing zeppelin covers right (laughs) and then so like i'll send it to him and i didn't hear nothing and like like five five days later i get this text he's like sounds real good man i was like 
yeah like <laughs> it's like it made my night like three words from Rabel. I'm like, Rabel likes my board mix. And that's because him, like, him, and, him and Pooch sitting there 24 hours a day sitting on uh, yeah, uh, yeah. doing these episodes. So, yeah. And that's one of those things where you go to, you're like, hey, mom, guess what Chris Rabel said? You're just like, who's Chris Rabel? You know what I mean? Like, one of those, <laughs> those things <laughs> yeah. you can't tell anybody because no one gets it. No, no, it's a uh, big thank you to those guys for enduring that. And, uh, Pavin, you're going to be on, you're going to be on that email too now. You're starting to get assaulted <laughs> with my, with my local Dude, band board mixes. Lay it on me. I'm going to, I'm going to send you mine then. Too. Too, like for sure hit me up brother let's yeah. do it <laughs> and i and i, I want to touch on that too because that was something hannah said to me she's like i can't believe you're sending this to those guys like why not like do it like he, pooch isn't going to bed at night going like man mike's mix was so bad right <laughs> like that's he, he's just not no you know what he he's probably thinking like oh i'm so glad i got to help somebody out that's awesome right and i i think like take that shot because you know the worst case is that you don't hear back right and so nothing's changed but you have a great opportunity to get yours some of the best ears on the industry and to improve and sometimes it's a little thing like jim was like just use a little bit longer reverb and it like blew it i mean hannah you heard the before and after on the mixes where it was night and day and i think i added 400 mils to my vocal reverb and that was it um and so those little tweaks are game changers for me um and so it was like um why not like send send those guys and get that input and i mean i'm working on a system design i think i've called poor carter three times now and asked him super specific questions about melody boxes um because because he knows the box and i don't know the box so so like call people ask them questions and learn stuff man i mean why why not don't let your fear of i don't even know what um interfere with with getting some knowledge dropped on you you know what i mean yeah man like even when i was uh like uh hunting for work uh one of my friends like dropped me like you know he was he was a close friend of mine he dropped me his email list he was a he's a, a record um a label guy you know and he he's like here's here's a bunch of managers i know and like you know he he definitely was probably not supposed to give me that <laughs> but um but he did and like and and i and i i cold emailed a bunch of like of of uh of managers and you would be surprised at the ones that like that hit me back just not not even to say oh yeah yeah we, we're looking for a guy none of them said that but a lot of mm-hmm. them said a lot of them said like yo thanks for the email like keep in touch bro like uh yeah. you know like i was like you managed the cure and like <laughs> you know like i mean at, at the time like they, like dudes were like you know that that's not the band that i was hitting him up for but like i was like i've seen your roster i know who you work for and mm-hmm. stuff like i mean that's that's crazy that, that you're like i don't know like it, i i feel like the I'm just trying to say like people are a lot more accessible than you think they are usually, you know, especially in this field. That's one of the greatest things about it is, I mean, you can go right to, I mean, for, you know, for, for a system tech, uh, when I started really digging into it, the fact that you could email Bob McCarthy or Pat Brown or Jamie Anderson, and they would write you back is, I mean, there aren't a lot of fields where that's true. You can go to the top dogs in the fields and, you know, get them on the phone and, and ask them questions. And I think that you're really doing yourself a disservice if you don't take advantage of that stuff. Um, and it's funny sure. because, you know, my buddy, David, who's watching us right now, um, he's, I think scared to come on the show, <laughs> but um, he, he wants, he was digging into, he's designing some loudspeaker stuff and he's, he's like way beyond what I can even speak intelligently about. So I'm like, I don't know, but I know who knows, like, you know, uh, Bennett Prescott will know and, you know, talk to him or Luke from Coda, you know, he'll, he'll know these. And I'm like, Hey, you know, here's his email and I'll introduce him. And he's like, I don't know, man, I'm kind of like, I want to bother him. I'm like, dude, these guys are nerds, man. Like, this is all they want to do is talk to you about how their drivers are built. Like, that's their whole thing. You know what I mean? That's it's so like, sick. that's yeah, <laughs> that's so sick. 
so, like the, uh, the best thing you can do is call me and ask me about coherence. That's I, I'm all about it. You know what I mean? You're not bothering me. <laughs> uh, uh, Carter, um, do you spend any time talking to Alyssa some text on tour uh, about, you know, methods you guys run at all? Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. I actually, um, through the, uh, the mentorship, uh, through signal to noise, a couple of the guys and I have gotten together and just connected to talk about them when we have something to talk about, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the one thing like we can design all we want, but you know, at the end of the day, you can look at it on paper and can't fly it and tune it and whatever. So, yep. you know, sweet holding pattern. In there and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I still get in there, you know, every once in a while and, you know, draw a new room or, uh, you know, import, uh, something in from, um, sketch up into, uh, sound vision or something and just mess around with PAs in there. Just, I don't know, just so I don't forget how to, you know, where a shortcut <laughs> is or something like that. But, uh, so yeah, yeah Mike, no. keep sending me stuff when you got a question. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I keep <laughs> sending them like revision after revision of my, I'm working on a design for a church down in Atlanta and it's, it's a melody rig. And I don't know a lot about the melody rig. I really worked with it. So I said, Hey Carter, you know about melody? He's like, yeah, I know about melody. I was like, all right, 19 emails. Just yeah. <laughs> so, um, Keith says on, on Facebook, he says, uh, I once emailed Kyle and he answered and helped take care of the problem. And I got to tell you, Keith, you're doing better than we are. Cause I don't think Kyle's ever emailed us back. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't answer our group text. He just, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Except right, to not, say what time we recording today. Not, not to make you feel guys, make you guys feel bad. But like, yeah, when I, when I was doing the, I was on my first tour with a, a Midas console and man, Kyle was just right there with me the whole time, all, every day, all day, like, you know, like uh, right there on text and uh, got me through that whole tour, man. It was rad. But uh, yeah. Kyle was, uh, you know, I, cause when I was a teenager, I wanted a Midas console like super bad. And so like you go on YouTube and you're like Midas pro series and it's Kyle on there <laughs> showing how to do all this stuff. So I knew who Kyle was when I was like 18 years old, man. So, you know, and then we were on a panel at AES one time and I emailed him like, dude, you don't know who I am, but I'm going to be on a panel with you. I'm pretty stoked about it because I know you from the YouTubes. And that's <laughs> so cool. It's a yeah. personal treat for me. He didn't answer, but yeah. <laughs> he didn't. Well, answer. we got him. We got him on the show. So, yeah. so there it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, funny. It's funny. Carter mentioned, you know, you know, trying to stay in practice some things, uh, you know, while we're in this time of, you know, COVID and not torn and not doing shows and whatnot. I, I posed a question today where I was in the studio with some guys and I was like, man, when we do go back to the real world, um, how much tolerance is there going to be for people being rusty? I mean, because people are going to be rusty on mm. things, right? And things are going to take a little bit longer. Loading will take a little bit longer. Uh, you know, dialing in projection, dialing in the PA, like those things. Like you know, there's just going to be some natural rust to things, and how how much are people going to be okay with with that, and how quick that is that curve going to be to getting back to normal? I don't know. So, I, yeah, that's a great. Uh, I mean, that's what I spend all my time with is is retaking courses and like you know we were talking about smart five when i took the smart you know level one uh test and i went through it and i learned a couple new things that i just didn't know were there and i've been using it since i think i bought i think i bought my own version of smart five in 2005 so I've been using it for a long time and there's still stuff I can learn about things. So any of these remedial that courses that could seem remedial, um, 
man, there's always a little nugget that somebody that you're going to grab and, and it just helps you not forget, especially if you don't know when you're, you know, when you're going to actually lay your hands on something again. So, I mean, it's, that, it's that was the importance. Oh, sorry, Carter. That was, yeah. that was the importance of Ryan's mix 45 thing for me was to just get your hands back on the console and, the first time that we did that, when we did that Mix 45 thing, it had been three or four months since I had my hands on my console. And um, you're like, wait, where's that menu? How do I patch that? I mean, it was a little bit scary how quickly you start to lose that sort of just muscle memory of where things are on these desks and where these settings are. And and it was really uh, a reality check for me to be like, oh my gosh, like you need to, you know, spend more time on this. And so, you know, I've been doing that more often just to kind of keep that fresh, but it's, it's crazy how fast you, you lose it if you're not using it, you know? Yeah. And it's funny, actually, uh, Brandon made a comment too, uh, and the public ears uh, might be more sensitive to loud levels, including your own. I thought about that as well, too. I'm very curious to see how yeah. quickly we reacclimate to um, what it what it's like to do a live show in terms of SPL levels, too. And that's, that's a whole, I mean, it's a whole other, you know, topic. Well, I was, I was actually thinking about that today because one of my projects has been to get my show file with the band I'm working with, get it to sound big and fat and loud at a lower SPL. Um, usually depending on the room, they're, they're cruising at 90, 91, which is pretty low as, as rock bands go. Right. Um, but I was like, I wonder if I can sound like 86, 87, cause at 86, 87, you can rock for four hours and you're not killing anybody's hearing or anything like that. And so, you know, the rehearsal PA, um, I've been, I've been logging our rehearsals. Um, and last night we were at 87 for a 15 minute, a weighted LEQ. Um, and it sounds nice and full and punchy. And then I was like, if you went into your house and you put on a concert DVD and you sat on your couch, you would still not turn it up that loud. Like our, our the context is so important here because we'll go sit through 101A in an arena and be like, this is totally comfortable. If your TV is 20 to be less than that in your house, you're like, holy shit, the TV is so loud. Yeah, right? Great point. Great point, dude. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, so, I, that's, that's why I'm so stoked to like like get into this LEQ and and the, the like the SPL stuff. Like I mean, I was like I said, I was just about to get into that when the, all this stuff shut down. Yeah, like, so stoked to like yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm super stoked to, to get well and yeah. And we're emerging into when we come. It was funny because one of the things Jamie said on our podcast with him was, um, you know, this was on the cusp of being extremely important for our industry. And now it's not at all important. Right. Um, but when we come back out, whenever that is, um, we've sort of, we're past that threshold. And, and mind you, we're way behind. I mean, you guys that toured, you know, we're way behind other countries on this stuff. Uh, we, we, it's the wild west here. It is not the case in Europe. Um, but the tool set that's available now and, you know, um, the consciousness is there and people, the, Apple Watch, right? I mean, we you now have thousands of people in the arena with you whose watch is going to be saying, "Hey, you should you should go outside. It's too loud in here." Um, so, you know, those are we we have a new consciousness about that stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, this whole idea of, "Hey, can I can I shave three dB off my mix level and still make it have the same impact?" These are important things to be talking about. And that's actually something that we covered. I did it. We taught a, a, a SPL webinar. I did on, on was it yesterday? Uh, Tuesday, um, yeah, yesterday. Um, and, and the topic of the whole webinar was SPL applications for front house engineers. That's all. We spent an hour just on that. And how how are we keeping tabs on this stuff? How do you mix around a dB speed, speed limit and and still have a mix that has impact and has dynamic range and sounds good, Wait, even though. Which webinar is this? 
<laughs> it's a it's a it's a rational acoustic zoom lab and we they're, they're ah, limited okay. to eight i'll send you all the info man i'll hook you up please um, so, so carter well speaking of that from a system tech standpoint um how much of in in your circle of system techs and in front of house engineers you work with how much of that has been a talk of um maybe what europe has already been doing what the u.s is going to need to be doing and what is what is going to be the future of system techs roles and maybe monitoring spl um both from a front to back ratio and also just from from a safety standpoint has that been a discussion in your world at all you know what honestly it hasn't been a lot of discussion about uh, the legality of it anyway it's like i've thought about it before you know like who gets who gets the fine um that that's that's been a question that's been asked a few times like you said michael it's depends where you are and you know that's another one of those things that obviously i got to talk to those venues about in the mornings is what's our spl limit and where is it measured and how is it measured and mm-hmm. um but uh but as far as our yeah no not a whole lot most of most of what i know about that's what michael's been talking about <laughs> well i um, I, I think i know. feel i feel like it's gonna be the somewhat of the response and maybe correct me if i'm wrong but michael and carter see what you think but like how much of this responsibility is going to be on the mix engineer versus the system tech right i mean i almost feel like it's going to be a new role of a system tech to be kind of monitoring that because and almost to be maybe more educated than the mix engineer uh because I, I don't know. I mean, do you guys have opinions on that or thoughts on that? I mean, I, I mean, I could, I could dig into that all day. There's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, ultimately it's, it's band management needs is going to be the one who's going to pay for that when, when the band gets fined. Right. So, right. so they are ultimately the buck stops there. Um, it, the, the operational it's an operational issue. So it, it's falls on the shoulders of the mix engineer to behave themselves. Um, but you know, the, I think the system tech has a very real role to play in that because spatial variance becomes, a big thing. If you know that your show seven dB louder down front, what does that say about the limit and where it's measured? And, and, you know, those are all things we have to think about. Um, but, you know, I think the other aspect of this is that our industry, we have a very real motivation to be proactive with this because in a lot of countries, what we've seen is if the industry doesn't step forward and say, we're going to self-regulate, we're going to take care of this. We're going to do this in a way that makes sense. When the local or County or state government or federal government, God forbid, passes a law, regulating this stuff it's not going to be a good law it's not going to make sense um some of the laws that i see um you know anything if you anything that rationals involved with spl sort of comes comes across my desk and so we talk to a lot of people from all around the country and what their limits are and how they're enforced and some of them are so technically meaningless that they're literally unenforceable they literally don't there's you can't even measure them because they're technically they don't have any meaning um so we need to head off that situation where we get strapped with a rule set that's ridiculous um, by being responsible about this stuff. And, and, and so we need to be very careful about making sure we have this professional vocabulary. So perfect example. And I talk about it in my SPL presentation that I gave. I'm sitting at, at front of house doors have opened up. It's way after sound check. The uh, gentleman who runs the box office for the theater, who's the theater manager, comes up to me and says, hey, keep it under 95. And he goes back into the box office. That doesn't That's mean it. Right. So and I said, whoa, whoa, come back. You know, and so I, I said, OK, you're you're not making a statement that I can't even comply. I can't make a good faith effort to comply with that because it doesn't mean anything. So we need to talk about is it a weighted? Is it C weighted? Where are we measuring it from? Is it a 15 minute window? You know, there, there are so many things that you need to tell me. And, and you can because I said, look. 
I have the capacity to measure this and meter this and quantify this in any way imaginable that you could possibly think of. You name name your terms, basically, right? You tell me what the rule is, and I'll put it up on that screen, and and we'll do it. But this has to be a meaningful statement because otherwise, the option is Chris. Something that you said, you know, every time the neighbor down the road complains, you guys are getting fined. Well, that's not that's not an appropriate way to handle this, right? That's not you can't find somebody or give them legal action based on someone's feelings. That's not how this has to work. So it has to be objective. It has to be. So right. our, our field has, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to go down this, this road more than we have, but, but we have a very real impetus um, on our own people to, to be able to understand this topic. So uh, speaking of that, actually terrible segue, not at all. Our, our man, Kevin McCoy is here uh, mixer for the Hamilton and Peggy Hello. tour um kevin i don't know if you <laughs> this is one that i've been waiting to watch but hello i, I remember you from uh the, uh who, uh yeah you, you guys did the interview with um the with adam savage adam savage that's right yeah yeah. And i yeah enjoyed it quite a bit thank you so kevin you know chris you know hannah i think uh you know you know Pavan now he uh front house engineer for the stars uh carly ray jepson and lizzo and uh Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think I saw all American rejects on that list. And uh, Carter here, uh, you, you probably heard him on the show talking with uh, with Jim Yak, uh, System Tech for Frampton most recently. So he, he, he has a nice yeah. shoulder. I do. It's usually this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to meet you all. And uh, I was just thinking the, that the, the box the office factor has increased. <laughs> The box office person who came out to talk to you about uh, SPL had no idea who, like, no, what they yeah, did. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, that's the worst possible circumstance. Like, let me let me just stop you. I'm gonna teach you about SPL for you know, three, four hours. Here's a printed out list of my Reddit posts. Uh, <laughs> read these, come back. Well, so that I mean, that's an important point, though, right? So you can't you got to have that dialogue in a productive way when when the when the house says that to you how do you handle that interaction where they're saying something that doesn't make sense they don't understand that you can't belittle them you can't talk down to them but you do have to arrive at a productive uh conclusion to that right um because it's it's their house it's their rules at the end of the day so so how do you handle that interaction how do you how do you give them the the knowledge in the context they need to, to make that a meaningful statement. And what I said is, you know, I, I said, look, um, I actually pulled up, I pulled up the, the SPL history timeline. And I said, these are all measuring this mic right now. These are all the different ways that we can interpret this data and measure it. And I said, you have to specify which one you're talking about. Um, and then we can, you know, we can enforce that. And I said, I'd love to come in because they're five down, you know, they're down the block here. I said, why don't we set up a time? I said, I'll come in, I'll sit down with you and I'll sort of take you through some of these ideas. And then, um, going forward, you can give an act something that they can abide by and I can show you how to, how to check it and how you can measure it. And, you know, for a venue to buy a dedicated laptop and a copy of Smart SPL, they're going to spend three figures now, which is nothing um, for a venue. So, so you know, it's sort of, we have to be diplomatic with this and it's important that we are because the the stubbornness is not going to end well for us we're going to get shut down or fined or shut off. Right. So, um, 
yeah, I, I, and I spent a lot of time thinking about that is how do you it's, it's, it's great because when I'm sitting around the you know, Thanksgiving dinner table with, with my extended family and they say, so what are you working on? I said, oh, I'm working on software that monitors loudness at concerts. Right. Um, and and they say they all go, OK, well, how loud's too loud? They want a number. Yeah. Right. Because we know like weight is a number and gas yeah. mileage. Is high. I so, want a number, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So so. So it doesn't, you can't just give somebody a number. So what I say is what we have to, you know, because often what they're asking is what's unsafe, right? What's going to damage right. my hearing? And the answer is it's not just about how loud. It's also about how loud for how long yeah. you have to look at it that way. And so, so that's the one sentence pitch, but it just illustrates to me how far we have to go in our understanding of these topics in order to get to a place where we're productive, where we're keeping people safe, where we're not bothering the neighbors and we're still having a great show because that's, that has to be, it's not the buzzkill industry. We're not here to to go on and start turning it down, Sonny. Like with a proper understanding, with proper tools, you can have an awesome show and you can preserve and protect the audience experience, which I think is really, really important. That's the whole reason we're there. That doesn't mean people need to go home with damage, right? I mean, we have an obligation, a professional obligation, I believe. We are in charge of these super powerful sound systems that have a very real ability to do physical lasting damage to people. Right. Um, and so we have a responsibility to not do that. And so, you know, and it's sort of a new thing because, you know, we always think about, like Jamie said, Beatles at Shea Stadium in mid 60s. You couldn't hurt somebody with it. It's not possible. It can't get loud enough. Yeah. And so I mean, bit out of that thing. <laughs> right. But that's what we were just talking about in Pavin's episode that, that y'all can hear when it comes out in a couple of weeks is you're at the helm of this super powerful PA system. And you've got screaming teenagers clocking it in 105 in between songs, you you have the ability to just steamroll them with the system. Um, but you that's not a good idea to do that. You know, you're gonna hurt people. Um, so so there's a lot of really interesting ethical considerations that come into that. You know, is it the audience's responsibility? Do they know they're putting themselves in a situation where they could do physical damage? Do we have to put disclaimers? What happens when the first person with an iWatch goes up to Live Nation and says, I'm suing you because my iWatch says you're you're hurting me? Yeah, then what yeah, what do we yeah. do right yeah so it's 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 uh, it's an interesting thing man kevin has that ever been has that ever been a conversation in from so from the for those who don't know kevin works in you know in the theater world um has that ever been a conversation with a sound designer uh or uh, whoever else involved in the production uh have they ever actually talked in specific numbers or have they just talked in relative terms in terms of what the feel and atmosphere on an spl level they actually want yeah, uh, this is the first show that I've even had an SPL meter running during the show. Uh, and even for this, we, we, we didn't talk about it in terms of SPL to the audience. I think there is a discussion of that happening, uh, you know, when they're tuning the room and, and, and like looking to see how much SPL they can get to the individual uh, audience members. Um, but when it comes to mixing the show, it's just like this part can be louder, this part can be quieter. Maybe there's discussion of marks on the board, but it's never really uh, a matter of SPL discussion. I do, like I mentioned when I was on the podcast, I do look now that I've mixed the show to the designers, um, you know, where they want it. I do look at the meter myself just to like self calibrate. I, I guess the the other thing I wanted to say about this topic from a theater point of view is that usually we actually get we don't usually get it's too loud complaints we get it's too quiet complaints and one of the things uh, I, I this this lives in my memory uh, this was several shows ago so this is not Hamilton related but uh, 
um, I was uh, at a venue in Florida and I was with a very, a show that was sort of notorious for being very quiet. Uh, and also um, most of the cast, uh, uh, most of the, the characters were, um, had accents. And so they were sort of notoriously difficult to understand. And one of the house people came sort of panicked to me backstage because uh, I was, I was the backstage person that night and um, said, I can't hear, I can't hear, people can't hear the show. And I was like, can they not hear the show? Let's let's talk about this in a little bit more detail because A, people can't hear the show, it tells me nothing. I need to know where they're sitting. Uh, that's like the first level of information. But then we went, I was like, okay, you know, he said they're in the balcony. And I said, okay, well, let's go listen. Um, so we went up there to listen. Um, this is an argument, by the way, for any theater producers that your A2 shouldn't have any cues backstage because the A2 needs to be able to go out and listen and do and deal with things like this. So make sure they don't have any cues. Um, but uh, we went up and listened and I was standing next to this person who was the house sound technician. And he looked at me and said, I can't hear anything. And I was like, if you can't hear anything, like check your ears because I'm getting a <laughs> lot of information from the PA right now. If you want to talk about the intelligibility, I'll be happy to talk about that. But that's not, this isn't a loudness issue. We can turn up the show all you want and it's not going to get better up here. Like we, there's there's intelligibility issues in the PA that I'm going to go address with the with the system, but also there's the actors are speaking in accents and like we just need the audience to listen better. <laughs> like you know there's there's a certain point at which you just have to say the audience needs to be engaged in their ears and um, yeah. So that's usually the the so we don't usually get a lot of too loud complaints. Every now and then we will, but um, yeah. So that's, an, to, that's such a cool point, man. I mean, a lot of times when people say turn it up, they don't mean they want it louder. They mean they can't understand it. Right. Um, intelligibility plays a super big role. And, uh, you know, I, this is one of those research rabbit holes that I was kind of living in for, for months when I was working on the, the SPL documentation stuff. And it's really amazing how um, something like a little bit of distortion, it really, you know, affects your perceived loudness or um, how people will um, underestimate the loudness of a very clear intelligible mix when it when i was just gonna ask that there's, there's there's no number for it right like there's no there's no like defined measurement that i haven't heard about right that's that's oh this is how intelligible the the sound is right now there there are there's a couple the most common one is either sti or what's stipa or stipa speech transmission index and it's literally a, 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 a it's, it is imperfect but what it attempts to do is characterize um it's a signal to noise ah uh, characterization. You said it right. Um, no, and name, it, like. it uses modulated. Uh, we're not going to get into it. it's. It's it's very very nerdy. But but well, yes, it, it it's mostly it's mostly used in um in public safety, right? So yeah. the regulations are public safety. So like airports and in hotels in public spaces where the fire alarms have to announce, "Hey, evacuate the building." They have to meet that that, that STEPA or whatever the different um, acronyms are for them, speech intelligibility, so that yeah, if there is a uh, an echoey um, uh, lobby or a uh, airport or whatever terminal that 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 the from a, an emergency standpoint but like you know those those measurements and numbers wouldn't necessarily always translate to our field and correct me if i'm wrong on that michael but i mean like it's it's um so it's 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 still hard to translate there it, you 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 do see it in uh, if you work in integration right and someone's gonna hire an, an a company to, to install a new pa one of the things they will specify is either steepa or the other one alcons alcons articulation loss of consonants um they're 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 metrics that attempt to characterize how intelligible a pa is 
Um, and so they might require it in a contract to have a certain steeper rating or, or uh, Elcon's rating. Um, the, the problem, the problem is that they are not perfect and um, there are ways to produce ridiculously unintelligible signals that will pass the test and score high. But when you listen to them, you're like, I have no idea what this person's saying. Um, so, so that's something that we're actually looking at. You mean closer. we actually have to listen and not just look <laughs> at the screen? And... Well, you know, it, it becomes it becomes a matter of how how do you close that gap? You know, obviously, you know, there there is um, some really good motivation for being able to objectively characterize that stuff, and public safety is a really good argument for that. Um, so that's something we're looking. Yes, yes. Oh, sorry, D- don't mean to interrupt. But like, uh, yo, how, how much does expectation like uh, play into that? Like, I think uh, you you're saying like, uh, you know, there was an accent involved. Like, if you tell people like, yo, you're gonna listen to an Irish accent. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe 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 I'm 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 biased because like, you know, we we kind of like know what Irish accents are gonna be. But if you don't know what an Irish accent is gonna sound like, I don't know. Like, uh, d- does expectation play into like intelligibility at all? absolutely i think i think there's another so there's another thing here too is like so think of especially from like the club level days um where uh you have um an avid fan who goes to a show um and you could get away with that vocal mostly being buried or the artist not singing very well because they know the songs and yeah if if they they went home that night and listened to the stupid video that they recorded all night long they're like i can't hear shit it's like well no but yet when you're the experience you had when you were there you sang along that whole night because it's just you the perception of what you actually heard versus what you're really hearing are two different things so like if you're mixing something that you've never heard before you might um un uh, what's i don't know what the word is um um you might accidentally or whatever put the vocal almost more way out in front than you should in a mix because you don't know what those words are and you're trying to make sure that everyone's hanging on every one of those words when the reality is is that 90 percent audience already knows every word and they don't actually need to hear every syllable so um it's maybe not a speech intelligibility i don't know i, I think there's or, a, well there's a or, or, I like or the, vice versa is is the bigger danger for theater is is that we've seen that we see the show eight times a week yeah. and and we we can easily bury the vocals because we know the vocals so yeah totally well that's i mean that's the whole thing i, I like to compare it to um you know, I studied Spanish for a while back and I, I can I can track it when someone's speaking Spanish, but it exhausts me after a while. I literally have to listen harder and it's a more fatiguing listening experience. And so that's a good analogy for a, a poorly a poor mix or a poorly tuned PA or a bad acoustic environment where oftentimes the intelligibility is poor and the people can still understand it. But they, they literally become fatigued uh, from focusing like that. And so you can you can improve and people can be less stressed right now there's a sound design element to that which i love uh the movie the social network there's a great scene when they're in the nightclub and he's talking to justin timberlake and they're yelling over each other and you can understand what they're saying perfectly but you have to listen a little bit harder because the way they mix the club music the club music is actually mixed louder than the dialogue but there's some really cool processing dynamic stuff where where the dialogue sits down in there and you get this feeling of being in a loud club and yelling like we've all done but but you can still understand it uh, but you had to kind of work for it. And I, and, and that's a really brilliant sound design thing. And, you know, um, I, mean, I think Kevin, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I did that. Um, 
something we talked about on, with Shannon Slayton on his episode, where the audiences will very quickly adapt to their acoustic environment. Like you said, you know, this is my acoustic reality for the next hour, right? And the example I always use is Book of Mormon. The PA, if you're on the orchestra level, the PA is above your head. It's firing basically straight down. But you go like, uh-huh, and then you just watch the show, right? And people aren't sitting there for 90 minutes going, all the sounds coming from above me. Uh, you do it at first and then you're, you're kind of into the show. Right. So um, we're really tolerant of that stuff. As long as we don't, if, if you start moving that PA around on the show, then you're going to screw with people. Right. But um, what I did, and it was like the only actual legit sound design I've ever done in my life. I, I worked on Les Mis and um, that show for me, it's really long and it's just like, it's, I mean, it, it's tragic by design. So by the end, you're like, holy shit, all these people died when they come back at, at the end of the show and they, and you hear the people sing, right? All these people that died during the show come out and you're like, holy cow, what an amazing loss of life has happened. There's just so many people that have been killed during this. It's, it's amazing. It's, I'm like, how do, how do we have impact here? Right. What can I do from a sound design? I muted the PA at that moment because the whole two hours, the audience has been listening to the, they've been lazy. The sound has been delivered to their ears. And all of a sudden when they're all lined up on the stage and they're singing and there's 40 people up there, so you can do this. No mics. All of a sudden, your acoustic environment is just it's a whiplash. You're totally in a different place and everyone just leaning forward in their seats. Um, and it's such a jarring transition because I've just I've literally forced them out of that acoustic environment that they were used to. Um, and it, it, it just sort of like snaps people out of this thing. Um, and it was a really you could feel it. It made that moment very palpable. Um, and it was just it, it, and now that's that's brute force sound design right like it's it's you're bullying your audience around i don't recommend doing that but but it worked um so so yeah i think all of these things play really they're really interrelated and i think there's a ton of interesting discussions here that that uh that's another rabbit hole to go down but uh yeah that's pretty cool man the end thank you for coming to my ted talk right <laughs> <laughs> so right there, um man. Yo, I, I, I dig that kind of stuff, though, like uh, especially like this little things that we can do like to like really engage the audience and stuff, you know, not not just on rock and roll, obviously, but like obviously with everything. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like to talk about, you know, when where Kevin's going to place a vocal or where you're going to place Carly Jepsen's vocal in a mix <laughs> is way different than where you would place the ACDC lead vocal. If you put the ACDC lead vocal that high on top of your mix, you'd be fired and no one would want to be at that show. <laughs> yeah. right? so, so it's all about the context is so, so important there. And, you know, the audience expectation, all that stuff. Right. So. Sure. Uh, so, so Kevin, I, I'm curious now. And I wish uh, I would. So I wish Hamilton would have been on Disney Plus prior to us talking to you, because then I would have seen it. Cause I, I, I have not seen it in person. I've actually only seen it for 15 minutes. I'm going to watch the whole thing. But hey, all right. Totally fair. It's totally fair. I don't get paid for each view, so it's OK. I know. I know. I know. But it, it made me it made it made me think some more. So coupled coupled with watching it. And then uh, I plugged this on our last episode that came out today. Actually, um, there's a podcast called uh, 20,000 Hertz. Um, and they had talked with like some of the sound designers and stuff from, from Hamilton. Uh, and it made me appreciate it even more. So it made me think of a few more things for you. Um, what, how different, um, some of, I imagine just the, the rap style cadence of, of the vocals or the speech, if you will, um, how different was it mixing Hamilton, say maybe from some of the other theatrical performances you've done, where I feel like some of the, um, there's some more instrumentation that's do with like beating on the tables uh, and the chairs uh, and just more of that hip hop style was called what it is uh, over your more traditional Broadway musical. What, what was that like? Did you have to adapt anything or um, yeah. What was that like? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I um, like before before Hamilton. The hardest show I had mixed was uh, Motown, which um, was also a show that sort of moved quickly from song to song. But Hamilton doesn't move quickly from song to song. It's just all song, right? And so the it's hard. It's it, like it's tricky to to mix because it's just continuous. But having it be all sung through or wrapped through uh and everything is is with a beat except for just very few there's just a very few select parts that aren't with a beat um actually helps because uh i i know exactly what the performers are going to do they have a little bit less flexibility or like they just have a tendency to always sort of perform it the same way which helps me because then i can anticipate exactly what they're going to do so if anything i feel like that's uh, that made it uh, like a little bit easier to mix what, what, you know, it's still a hard show to mix, but it's, it's just a little bit easier to mix because uh, the, the rhythm and the beat provides uh, um, consistency or predictability. Yeah, cool. yeah. Wow. That was a fantastic answer. And it sounded like it was prepared actually. It was really good. <laughs> uh, thanks. Actually, I think that's the first time anyone's really asked me that. So that's a great question. That's cool. Yeah. Well, this is a, well, a ninety-minute live stream. Yeah, um, no, it, well, it, it also goes to show that we we've talked about this almost at nauseum. Now we don't. For those who maybe think we prepare all this, we don't prepare for our episodes. No homework. Like so, we're like idiots. We're all we, idiots. We like to just have it as a fluid conversation. We don't like to investigate. Uh, we don't like to take ourselves too seriously. But no, but seriously, thank you all who. If anyone's hung out for this whole time, thank you. Um, and uh, for those who are checking us you know, in the in the past or in the future, whatever you call it, I don't know. Um, um, you in the know, future path. And shout out to our man Jason Moore, front of house for train, who accidentally sawed off his thumb with a table saw. What? Um, and he started an Instagram. I sawed my thumb off, and it's just it's pictures of his thumb and uh pictures of the screenshots of his friends harassing him about now he's a pirate. Um he's taking it very well. But uh Jason, we're 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 thinking of you, man, and and it's you know, it's he's treating it with the appropriate amount of hilarity. So I'm going to stand with him in solidarity uh, with our oh. nine fingers raised to the sky. So, uh, well, th- thank you all for hanging with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, you know, uh, check out more episodes. Uh, check out, well, those of you who are watching it in the Facebook group, make sure you check out our Facebook group, Singleton Noise Podcast Facebook group, and we'll, uh, we'll see you all soon. Good night, everybody. <laughs>